Hi, Eyewitness Readers. It's Annie. I know you're expecting Nick. He's about to come on and do the intro, but I just wanted to say either fast forward or listen to the very end of the episode because I have a special perk that I wanted to do for Eyewitness Readers, and it is my product of the week, but it is for you. So fast forward or just sit back, relax, and Nick is in a bad mood today, but it's a good episode still. Hello and welcome to Eyewitness Beauty, the podcast where we talk about the biggest stories in the beauty industry each week. I'm Nick Axelrod Welk. And I am Annie Kriegbaum. Diamond Kriegbaum. Diamond Kriegbaum. For those of you who don't get that joke, it is a very niche podcasting joke because we use a transcription service to make our edits for the podcast and they transcribe when Annie says her name, the way that they transcribe it is usually like diamond Creek bomb. It's sometimes like other things like that, but mostly like diamond Creek bomb. Yeah. Yeah. Which we thought was like a pretty good name. I thought about at one point changing the pronunciation of my last name to cray bomb. Hmm. What sounds chicer? It's not a chic. It's like a very hit you over the head. German. Like <laughs> it's a loud last name. It's a hard c- <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, bomb. it's like Craig Bob. <coughs> I was at Dillard's once with my dad. <laughs> and there was a little German lady. And according to her, it's pronounced Kleigbaum. Oh, that's even worse. But that doesn't sound right either. I've actually talked um, to other German people that told me otherwise. But I was watching a TikTok last night. And it was about celebrities who like the real pronunciation of their names. And did you know that like for most of Ariana Grande's life, it was Ariana Grande? Why? And then her brother apparently was like, I think Grande sounds a little bit like more fun and like funny. Like we should just all go by Grande. And they were like, okay. Where does their family hail from? (laughs) I want to say it's Italian. Grande. Yeah, Grande. Hold on. I think my coffee's here. One second. Are you kidding me? Anything else going on this week? I have an arts and culture. I feel like it's a bit of a sleeper series that nobody's really talking about. If you say White Lotus, I'm going to slap you across the face. (laughs) (laughs) Why? Because everyone's talking about it. They are? Yes. Who? Okay, explain to the listeners what White Lotus is. First of all. For like the negative two that don't know. Where have you seen people talk about this? He shrugs and drinks Everywhere. his ice coffee. Everywhere. Okay, well, whatever. It's Jennifer Coolidge. It's Alexandra Daddario. Wasn't she a model? Or who is Alexandra Daddario? Like, why do I know she's that been, name? She's an actress. She's had a pretty steady career she has these like gorgeous blue eyes i think it's just in who else is in it this young up-and-coming actor from the euphoria series named lucas gage we are friendly via email and funny story about lucas gage he's the actor who had that viral video where the director thought that he was on mute and was like look at this guy in his shitty fucking apartment (laughs) Yeah, and then he like very quickly was like, well, (laughs) 
<laughs> maybe hire me and I won't yeah. live in a shitty apartment, you fucking asshole. <laughs> yeah. um, so that was cool. Who else is in it? Oh, Connie Britton. Britton. Oh, I love Connie Britton. Sydney Sweeney. Anyway, really good, great casting. It's so funny. And the guy who plays the asshole, like, trust fund kid of the Jake rich mom. Is that who it is? Jake Lacey? The one who was, in, who was in that Jenny Slate movie about abortion, Obvious Child. I don't know who he is, but he, to a T, plays what would have happened if I, like, got married to a frat boy. That is him. The one thing I'll say about this show, I've tried to watch it twice. I think it takes a minute to get into. No, it doesn't. I, He's lying. It's like really? the show. It's the I one show. I can't handle it's, the shaky, it's all handheld camera. He's lying. That's not even true. Go ahead. I don't know. What? Maybe you're really... watching something else. <laughs> it's all like with the Valencia filter. I don't know. I have. I <laughs> Guys, Nick is, I don't know what show Nick is watching, but it's not White Lotus. Also, that was the worst description of this show. So whatever you took away from that, it's <laughs> probably not what you would expect, but it's really good. So it's like a whodunit at a resort in Hawaii, right? Yeah. I don't even know. Is it Hawaii? Yeah. yeah. Hawaiian Air, I think is that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, the thing that I wanted to take to the red table is a very savvy reader pointed out to us that the Gossip Girl Instagram account follows you, Annie. Yeah, I don't know why. How? I followed back because I thought they would like you. I think it was around the same time you had been talking about some sort of press trip. And I'm like, maybe this is it. Maybe my whole career of being the overlooked influencer that never gets shit. They're going to like invite me to some crazy premiere. COVID's over. This was back nope. when COVID was over. Nope. Nothing. They just follow me. And then I get all these like weird Gossip Girl fan accounts following me too. Oh, interesting. Did you watch it? No, but don't tell them that because in okay. case they want to give me something, I don't want to like, I've never yeah. seen the show. I watched the first two episodes or the first three episodes and <laughs> I've been watching it with captions as like I've just started doing with everything I watch on TV because I'm getting old. The writing is so full. I was going to say turgid. It is so full with references that the writers clearly think are like very clever. Like for lunch, we go to this restaurant and then we go here and then we go here. And like, don't forget your Glossier Haloscope and like, Oh, it's really? Like they name drop Glossier? They name drop Glossier. Wait, my product that I name is No, in I don't Gossip know if it was, I don't know if it was Haloscope, but like they name drop this like gay message board where like you can basically like post naked pictures of like anyone that you've gone on a date with oh or talked to on Grinder. They like name drop good. that like very niche website. So bad. It's like so wannabe woke and wannabe culturally relevant, but it's like trying too hard it's like your uncle who is trying to use like bussin you know in like a sentence or something it's just not cool okay well if gossip girl is listening to this nick said that i didn't annie the main character gets a tattoo from dr Wu and talks about it what year is this 2008 i know they're also i mean like he doesn't even do tattoos anymore does he i feel like he just does know. like He's brand like collapse for small leather goods <laughs> i know i know <laughs> <laughs> Listen, okay, so yeah, I just don't want to become a part of the storyline. So, you know, if somebody was going to gossip girl me or like whatever, they're, I thought it was brilliant because I've seen on Dumois them make the connection like Dumois is actually the IRL gossip girl. True. But you want to hear like a weird, deep, niche New York gossip girl thing is apparently. Now, this is a little before my time back when like the Beatrice, everybody was like partying at the Beatrice. But I know this guy because I thought he was a jerk. 
This is also slightly beauty related. If you mm-hmm. know, you know, but I can't give details, Nick, afterwards, okay. unless I told you already. So there was basically a real life gossip girl, this like website where. Oh, um, Socialite Rank? I don't know. Well, no, I think it was like a niche. Valentin, that guy who like was creating that website. Is that who you're talking about? I don't know the usernames. All I know is I I was like, I don't like this guy. I was talking to this other friend of ours that is old school New York was around that time, DJ. And he was like, he told me the story that he was basically the real life gossip girl. And he was posting who was sleeping with who, who has this STD. Oh, maybe not. Who's cheating on this in this like very like small New York, like DJ party Beatrice scene right before like I, you know, showed up in my suitcases being like, howdy y'all. So it was a little, but this guy ended up being like a total like skis. And then I heard that story and I was like, that makes perfect sense. Allegedly. No, he's not allegedly a skis. He is a skis. I'll tell you. Anyway, well, that's not really a Gossip Girl recap, but I will say that I am going to dutifully recap all of the episodes, or I guess maybe just story them on my own personal Instagram. Why? Why are you watching Gossip Girl if you don't like it? Because I'm hate watching it, number one. And number two, the references are too much for me. It's You know how like 30 Rock, if you miss one second, you've missed like 10 jokes? Gossip Girls like that, except for instead of jokes, it's references to things in New York, like from five years ago. Yeah, and I've tried to get into some of the Gen Z like content. And you know how there was always this thing where it's like kids are so much cooler than us, like teens are so cool. They're not. I don't feel that way. <laughs> 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 I'm like, you guys are really lame. No, I'm they're like, like, definitely really not annoying. interested in anything you're doing. I'm sorry. No, they're like, they're really. And annoying. I know they're not listening to this because no. they're not cool. So we can, we... <laughs> anyway, anyway, if you're a Gen Z and you listen and you want to <laughs> write in. You're an honorary millennial if you listen to this and you're Gen Z. So yeah, yeah. You can be you're good You can skip a grade. Top stories time? Yeah. I texted you this last night. I didn't get a response. But I feel like this week was sort of, I don't know, my word for this week in terms of beauty news was sad. It was a sad week in beauty news. First example is Revlon (laughs) partnering with StockX on like limited beauty drops because that's what the kids are doing. Yeah, StockX (laughs) is doing well. Revlon is not. So Revlon was like, StockX, can we... Get on there. I'm very interested in how this works because I read that they're only doing 450 units of product. They're basically releasing these like limited edition sets. A collaboration with Megan The Stallion, by the way, who is the face of Revlon. And she's going places, I think. <laughs> oh, you think? <laughs> I think she's been places. <laughs> and the head of marketing or whoever they interviewed in this business fashion article says straight up, no, this is more of like a marketing play. We're not like trying to make money on this. More for brand awareness. But I'm confused of how they were able to get anybody to make only 450 units of product. Beauty minimums are insane. I don't think it's limited edition product. I think it's limited edition kits. Nope. It says 450 units. You calling business of fashion bad reporting, Nick? No, of the kit, though. Only 450 sets will be sold in what Revlon is calling a hyper limited edition. Yeah, 450 sets. All right. Minimums on, like, bags are much smaller. So I get it. Thank you, Nick. anyway uh, i will say megan the stallion i think that's one thing revlon's doing right i don't know what sort of needle is being moved but i will say i i think that she's hilarious and i went to a really deep hole last night on her dog's instagram and her dog's instagram handle is frenchie the number four oe and it's good as far as like animal instagram accounts go 
This one's pretty good. The captions are really funny. They work perfectly with the image. I feel like I really get a sense for this dog's personality. (laughs) Can I send you a link? I just want to hear a little giggle so I know that everyone agrees that this is the funniest. (laughs) It's really cute. She has two little French bulldogs and then like a Cane Corso. Oh my God, the Cane Corso is so cute. He gets brand collabs. I really want a big dog. It's really funny. No, it's I really mean, Megan funny. the Stallion's amazing. I, I mean, she's funny. I mean, obviously she's hilarious and that's why this is funny. Yeah, but like, I just think that like her doing something with Revlon is not the coolest. And then Revlon doing something with StockX is like a little weird and so Well, you can't blame Megan for that. She no, can't, be, no, she can't no, control everything. Not. Yes, agreed. In other semi-sad news, and I just feel like this is very shady of me to position this as sad, but the hair care brand founded by Jen Atkin called Way, O-U-A-I, is collaborating once again with Byredo on a limited edition Mojave Ghost scent for one of their newest products. And I just Nick, what like is Bireto... this? Like the beauty burn book? Why, why are we being so... <laughs> I don't know. I just like, I feel like like letting it all out today. What is I just feel like I hold the brands that I love in such high esteem and I love Byredo and I, I think you mean Byredo, Byredo. And I just feel like collaborations can be cooler and more interesting than just like inserting fragrance A into product B. It's coming from a place of love, not hate, where I just want things to be cooler. And what don't you find cool about this, Nick? Let's let's uh, explore. Here's like my thing. There's people and brands who are really into puns. And I think it takes a certain type of person to pull off a pun and seem like funny and smart. I think puns are pretty lowest common denominator. And when Way launched, it was all about being way addicted or like show me the way but like way spelled o-u-a-i and i just like well that's actually that was... kind of smart because nobody would know how to pronounce the name if it wasn't like inserted into a pun okay i'm just saying okay but maybe they could have chosen a different brand name and gotten around that altogether yeah i don't know but i just wanted it to be a little cooler and then i've also never heard anything good about any of the products but i love by Rido, and so now they're collaborating again on this is a leave-in conditioner that has a Mojave Ghost and it's launching soon. Byredo's design is just so good. It's just like such a good brand and Way is not as, in my opinion. And my opinions change like the winds, you know? Like next week I'll I'll be loving Way. Yeah, and as we just discovered, like you hated big dogs last week. You accuse somebody Love of them a this small week. penis for wanting Love one. a big dog. What can we deduce about Nick? Is that like I can be bought? No, I meant about like you wanting a big dog. Oh, I think I'm normal sized. <laughs> Hi, mom. Annie came upon a little scoop. That okay, so. She told me not to tell anyone, but she said that we could run it on the podcast. <laughs> the people that told me this don't listen to this podcast, so. Okay, so we all know Rihanna Fenty yes. announced oh. that they will be coming out with a fragrance. Makes perfect sense. I'm actually kind of surprised that Rihanna didn't have a fragrance already. I want to smell like Rihanna. I think we all do. Oh, Rihanna is kind of the legendary. Doesn't she have the lore around how she smells and people are always trying to figure out what the fragrance is? No, they did. They figured it out. It was the By Killian fragrance. I want to say it's called Love Don't Be Shy. Is like allegedly what Rihanna wears. But the scoop is that another superstar, super duper star musician who is currently, quote unquote, undergoing a 
transformation, which has already happened somewhat in her overall look, vibe, feel, is launching a fragrance, her own. I mean, it would be her first beauty product. And that's the blind item. Oh, so we're not going to say who, but we need to give better. Well, when it comes out, we can be like, we told you guys. We'll be like, how about this? How about this? What recently? Gen Z. Gen Z. What Gen Z pop star who's no stranger to controversy is currently cooking up her own fragrance set to debut next year? There was no clues in any of what Nick just said. (laughs) There weren't. I have no. What is any of that language? Like the word cooking is like a little bit of a like red herring. There's nothing with this no, person. No, fragrance. I was just trying to use like cool words. And what is her controversy? Use. There's no controversy yes, surrounding her. Yes, there was her. a lot of controversy. Anyway, so that's coming and we will told you, we told you so when it comes out and we can tell you so. I have a question, Nick. Do you know what Feel Unique is? It is a British beauty e-commerce website. No, is it e-com only though? I think so. It was like kind of the Sephora.com of the UK. There's no physical retail? No. Okay. Well, guys, there's no real story here. (laughs) Basically, like Sephora acquired them. Sephora famously didn't have a stronghold in the UK up until, I guess, now. Yeah, but now they do. So if you are a listener in the UK and you felt deprived of your Sephora experience, then... This is a smart acquisition. Let's talk about your favorite, Mark Jacobs, who refuses to come on the pod. He refuses. I love like how messy he is and how he just like puts his facelift on Instagram and how he's like in a hyperbaric chamber, like chilling. Uh. I thought he was like sick with COVID, but he just got a facelift. Mark Jacobs got a facelift, was tagging the doctor, was like so into it, and then posted this really kind of sad picture of him. In what looked like a hospital bed, but he was actually just in a hyperbaric chamber recovering. Okay, so all of that being said, (laughs) we know he has his own beauty line, Mark Jacobs Beauty. They've had some hits over the years. Famously, their fragrances, but the color cosmetics line. What would you say was their big product? Coconut primer? Yeah. Yeah. And their eyeliner, I think people really liked. But it was definitely on the high end. All custom-tooled packaging which is very expensive. And what does custom tool packaging mean? So if you want to do packaging for anything, I imagine, but in beauty, you can go to packaging suppliers and there's huge catalogs and there's a million suppliers. So there's a huge menu of already tooled and made containers, bottles, tubes, compacts, whatever, to put your goop inside. But you can also just make that. However, it is a very expensive and time-consuming process, and it's such a headache. We're doing it now. If you're making an eyeshadow, right, and you like need to find like a palette to put the eyeshadow in, there's a gazillion in all different colors – all different types of plastic versions of like a rectangular eyeshadow palette. But say you wanted to create, you know, like if, if Skims was doing an shape. eyeshadow palette, right, they wanted to like make it look like a puffy cloud or something, then you'd have to do it custom. And that would involve creating a mold, which is made out of steel. Which costs like $12,000. <laughs> yeah. And the minimums to do that are like 50000 So custom tooling is really for big brands. Most small brands have to use existing packaging just to be economic. And so looking at Marc Jacobs' line, like it looks like almost everything was probably custom-tooled packaging. It's expensive. No expenses spared. They came out of Kendo Brands, which is the Sephora-owned like brand incubator. Also, you know, they made Fenty Beauty. They made Kat Von D Beauty. And they have money. 
They have the global supply and chain when it comes to beauty products, probably by the balls and because they have a huge minimums. And anyway, the contract they have with Marc Jacobs Beauty is coming to a close. Fans of the brand are speculating what's going to happen because they noticed a lot of the products had been put on sale. Again, this story is coming out of business of fashion. And also Sephora is decreasing the shelf space that they've allotted to Marc Jacobs Beauty. Which also is code for it's not performing, is it? It's being sunsetted is like, I think the kind word. (laughs) I love that kind of terminology. Yeah. It's like the dog goes to the farm upstate. Yeah. So people are wondering what's going to happen. A rep for Marc Jacobs Beauty said the line is not being discontinued. They said, currently we are in the process of strategizing the best way to reach our global customer going forward. So maybe we'll see Marc Jacobs in other places outside of Sephora. Maybe they'll pivot to be like purely D2C. Unclear. But it is kind of surprising just given the amount of investment it takes to make the products that they did make. And it didn't seem like the line was a flop by any means. It had been around for quite some time, but it is quite expensive. And I think options for consumers since Marc Jacobs' line had launched have grown exponentially. The brand launched in 2013. So feelings, thoughts, Nick? I like the new Marc Jacobs, who's this beauty aficionado, who's also like doesn't feel awkward or ashamed about getting procedures. So I think there is like a place for him, but I don't know if he has the drive. He's like, Part of being a successful brand at Sephora is in-store appearances and training the staff and doing all of this behind-the-scenes work to sell the product and in front of the scenes where, you know, like even Rihanna does tons of appearances. We'll see her on like red carpets outside of Sephora's all over the world. And I think, you know, you have to want to do that. And Sephora drives a really hard bargain. They ask a lot of you because they're putting a lot into you and they know how much money they can make for a brand if you do what they tell you to do. And I just don't know. I would imagine his interest is probably waning. You think so? But he's so open about all of his like beauty experiments. Right. I think he's happy to like Instagram at home. But when it comes to like having to like do appearances in Seattle and, you know, like doing all that sort of stuff that you'd have to do. Like the most successful Sephora brands are very founder driven, like Tiffany Masterson at Drunk Elephant, Jen Atkin at way for hair and then in makeup like Fenty obviously Kat Von D so I think it's hard for Sephora to sell a brand without a founder and so you need you know Mark needs to be on board if I were Mark Jacobs I know I said this in our conversation is airing today with Breaking Beauty if I had that level of success you would never hear from me again I'm not about to do like store appearances and things like that I'm not about to launch a makeup line when I've had a very successful fashion career I'm not doing store appearances if I'm Marc Jacobs, right? I don't know. He has it. I don't know. Have you seen his checkbook? I've seen that I've... he's like living in a hyperbaric chamber. That can't be cheap. It's probably not. But I, I, what I would guess, and again, this is all allegedly, is that it costs a lot of money to live as Marc Jacobs. Like he has a really, really high living expenses and there's not a huge amount of cash coming in the door. I think when he was at Vuitton, there was, but he hasn't been at Vuitton for quite a while. His, you know, his namesake brand is, you know, Mark by Mark Jacobs shut down. 
and hadn't been doing well for quite some time before that. So I don't know. Who knows? I've heard like whispers that he still gets a salary from LVMH, which is sort of what he's living on. But well, yeah, because he has a line at Sephora who is owned by LVMH. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I think that there was a moment at which like he was just living so large when he was at Vuitton and had Marc Jacobs and all of Bleecker Street in New York City was like just marked by Marc Jacobs stores. And it was just like minting money. He was flying private. He had like all these crazy apartments and houses. I don't know if that is still the reality. But anyway, enough about Marc Jacobs. I'd like to talk about Jaclyn Hill. Yes. Girl cannot catch a break. She's the Johnson & Johnson of Instagram. (laughs) Of like the influencer brands. So Jaclyn Cosmetics, which is influencer Jaclyn Hill's brand, has had consistent and nagging issues surrounding its product launches There were complaints initially that there was hair and lumps in their lipsticks, and then they just launched a new set of what they're calling sun-kissed cream bronzers, and critics are saying that there are way too few shades. Yeah, people aren't happy. Being Independent covered the launch and kind of the controversy surrounding it, and I think it's because she is supposed to be this modern beauty company, digital first, D to C. Her whole brand is built on Instagram. So it's just kind of shocking to fans of hers to see them come out with a line of complexion products that has a very narrow shade range. When it's like, if you see any beauty content on Instagram, one of the key things that you're going to see is an extended shade range that is inclusive of people especially that have been overlooked on the darker skin tone into the spectrum. Of course, you'll get kind of the people that are like, I'm ghostly pale and translucent and I'm not included either, but (laughs) we don't need to worry about them as much. That's like some all lives matter bullshit. But yeah, I think people are just kind of like feel a little bamboozled because they're like, hey, we thought you got it, but you don't. And her her response, they weren't happy with either. And her response is basically like, look, I'm the one developing these products. And what am I supposed to do? Test them on other people? (laughs) To paraphrase. But it it was basically like she didn't have the resources to test and get input from people with darker skin tones. was kind of boiling down her response. So it's complicated, but also not, right? Because the argument can be made. It's expensive to do a really wide chain range, and not all brands can afford that, especially these smaller, like, indie ones. But at the same time, if you can invest in doing a shade range that is – she has five shades, and they're all basically, like, for medium skin tones, as evidenced by the swatches on her own account – which show the bronzers on not even that dark of a skin tone. Let me pull a Fenty shade for context. All right, so this arm that these products are swatched on would basically be like Fenty Pro Filter Matte Foundation Shade 445, I'm guessing, which is not even the darkest shade. And all the bronzers look gray and ashy on this skin tone. So it's just kind of like, thank you for the transparency, but this... (laughs) it's like a glaring issue for your brand. So yeah, I think as brand founders, we're just like interested in this because it's kind of like you have outlined, if you're on Instagram, you should know as a brand founder, like these are the things that you must do. And when you don't do one of those things, it just, (laughs) you're just kind of like, why? (laughs) I understand like a resources issue, but as we've talked about on this podcast, if you have people who represent this full spectrum of skin tones in your contract manufacturer, in your formulator, in your lab, in, in and even if it's not your own lab, even the lab that you contract with, 
then these perspectives will be encouraged and incorporated into like the products you make. If you're not talking or working with people who represent a diverse range of skin tones and perspectives, then your products won't represent that. <laughs> and that's that on that. Tell me about this Hourglass $161 eyeshadow palette. Yeah, I actually, I know that you, are you in touch with the founder? Uh, I'm, we're working on getting a friend yeah. of a friend. Yeah, I really want to get her on to ask her about this because on the one hand, I admire that they are innovating in, again, custom tooling packaging that is a refillable palette system, which was like my dream product when I worked at another beauty brand. But it is very hard to do, very hard to fulfill orders of custom palettes and like design that cost prohibitive it just doesn't make any sense but they did it the result of doing this is that they basically made a 161 dollar eyeshadow palette in a world where new eyeshadow palettes for around like 24 dollars are launching every day with formulas that you can get a really great formula for super cheap i think that's pretty much understood now too like you're not paying for better quality in terms of the actual powder itself. Maybe the packaging will be chicer or more durable or whatever, but for the most part, the quality of the actual product that you're like applying to your skin is not really going to increase if the price goes up. But yeah, they basically made this refillable palette, $161. It holds, guess how many <laughs> shades it holds? 20. Five. <laughs> Five. Okay, but it's like and an investment... Right? I guess, is that the idea? Well, I guess on the one hand, it's like, who has ever used up an eyeshadow palette? Like, you will probably have this until you die. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, really? True. But I think people are upset because it's really bulky. There's a lot of, like, wasted space, quote unquote, in, inside the palette itself. And it's not, like, very attractive. The little singles that you pop into the palette are, like, kind of a strange shape. They're not really super Instagrammable. But then again, the question is, who is their customer? I imagine, like, the Hourglass customer is kind of, like, a more, like, progressive woman that is the daughter of a chic because that's truly the only person I can think of that can afford their products in our current landscape. But otherwise, I don't know people that – I don't know. I don't know. Do you know any Hourglass? People that are like, this Hourglass product is like my holy grail. I buy across the line. No, no. I remember like people being really into their primers when they first launched because they were clean, you know, or like the beginning of what would become clean. But no, it's a luxury ethical brand. Is that what you would call it? It's like a brand for yes. people who want a luxury product. They want the feel, the weight, you know, the marketing of a luxury brand, but they also want to feel good about what they're buying and feel like it's vegan and it's mm -hmm. cruelty free mm -hmm. and that it might be kind of good for you in some way. It has the illusion of being also like healthy. And yeah, you have to give them props. I mean, they also invested in, they. I know they're using this new red pigment that famously red pigments usually come from a non-vegan source, like an insect exoskeleton, I believe. Beetles. Beetles. Carmine, yeah. Carmine, which is like a very widely used red colorant. They invented one that is like a very saturated, bright red that does not use animal product to create. So they are actually doing the work. They're putting a lot of money where their mouth is, but you just have to like question like how successful these efforts could possibly be when this can't be something that can go mass, you know? Yeah, no. Yeah. Which is kind of like the constant struggle of having a beauty company that you want to develop products that are innovative. They do cost money. That money 
kind of has to be passed down to the customer or those costs have to be passed down to the customer, which is kind of what's happening here, unless you want to bite the bullet and say, like, eventually we'll get to scale and it'll all work out and we'll eat those margins. But this one seemed to not be well received. It is expensive. I'm really interested to talk to her about it, though. Maybe she'll come on and be like, actually, it's selling really well. So, you know, believe what you want. But so go fly a kite. Mm -hmm. Well, Nick, we can keep on like being negative and sitting in whatever you're sitting in. Do you have any other like criticisms that you would like to bring forth for brands, people, television shows, generations? <sighs> what do you tell me what you have a problem with? What is the sigh? What are you saying? I just I, it was a sad week in beauty. But anyway, we have a really exciting interview. Should we get into it? Yeah, let's go. So we have been trying to arrange a, call it a meeting of the minds, call it a showdown. What is it called when you like in the old Westerns where you would put your pistol up? Shootout? Shootout at the OK Corral? Yeah. They always say, keep your friends close and your enemies closer. And I say that with a smile on my face because we finally were able to sit down with the hosts of Breaking Beauty which is a much more popular and established podcast than ours. It's produced by Dear Media, and it is hosted by longtime beauty editors Jill Dunn and Carlene Higgins, who are based in Canada. They've been on the beauty podcast beat for much longer than we have been, and they are wonderful. They are smart. They were more than happy to play a rousing game of Paula's Choice, we did a little episode on their podcast, Breaking Beauty, and now here is our interview with Jill Dunn and Carlene Higgins on our podcast. I feel like one of the first DMs that we wrote from the Eyewitness Beauty Instagram account was to the OGs, the godmothers of <laughs> beauty podcasting, Jill Dunn and Carlene Higgins. Godmothers uh, or grandmothers? Beauty. <laughs> no godmothers <laughs> i'm like just so impressed with you both because you were first you launched in what 2017 mm -hmm. we did we launched in 2017 we weren't the first we got to give credit where credit is due to the fat mascara hosts they were in and emma guns of the world yeah in itunes at the time and it was fat mascara emma guns and the cosmetic chemists is that what they're called jill beauty brains and actually you know what in retrospect i think that Naked Beauty launched in 2016, Brooke. But I remember when Carlene and I first sat down to talk about the podcast, it was in November of 2016. She had been working full-time in a magazine for 12 years. The magazine went out of print. I had already been freelancing for ages, about eight years at that point. And I do a lot of TV and I just saw the writing on the wall with magazines. And I remember Carlene messaged me when, you know, the magazine went out of print. She's like, what should I do? Should I start a blog? Should I do this? And then at the time, how I built this was big on NPR. And we were like, man, like the beauty founders are really like where it's at. And there's so many great people to talk to. And both of us having come from the magazine world, it was like, we knew that there were great stories to tell because we had the ear of like Lev Glasman at dinner, you know, just like you guys coming from editorial, you get so much rich content when you go on press trips and just interact with these people in a more in-depth way. And so we were like light bulb moment, literally right then and there over lunch. So that's how we started. And just like making that move from a monthly to a weekly, like we realized really quickly that in this medium, a monthly is just, it's ridiculous. <laughs> you know, <laughs> people want the content a lot faster. And we still interview founders of brands because 
we love to focus on the really iconic products. And we talked a little bit about this on our show with you guys is this intense consumerism. I mean, you don't work in beauty for 15 years without seeing that. And it just starts to feel really wasteful and it starts to feel like people are being duped. And what we really wanted to do was to help people edit down their top shelf and just stick to what they really needed. And so by interviewing the founders of these really iconic brands, we were like, okay, what is the one product that either they launch with or it's just like the reason everybody goes to them and sort of let's become like this encyclopedia so people can understand, okay, what is the deal with Biologique Recherche? It's the P50. Here's the backstory, guys. This is why it's bomb. Have you guys ever had to not run an interview because you were like, eh. Oh, God. Poking the not. bear there, Annie. No. we Because <laughs> we, we never get to talk to other podcasters. So this is yeah. like... No, it's true. We have not, but we have had people in our reviews say that one particular episode should not have been run. And that was our episode with Dr. Barbara Sturm. I think that episode speaks for itself. If you guys want to go have a listen to it. But yeah, I think it speaks for itself. Wait, so I feel like we got into why you got into podcasting, but why beauty? I feel like Carlene has a really beautiful way of putting this so I'm gonna let her take the reins but it's really? like about how like oh yeah God. about like how beauty is this lens right to oh uh, I don't know I guess I'll be honest I fell into it people who become beauty editors kind of come into it sideways right like most people don't aspire to I'm gonna be a beauty editor someday I mean maybe now since beauty youtubers and that have come along but I think traditionally it was like people aspired to be fashion editors and they'd go to fashion school. They would go to learn styling and fashion photography and all that. But that didn't exist in a beauty world. You wouldn't go to a college and be like, I'm going to learn beauty and become a beauty editor. There just wasn't that path. So people tended to maybe get into magazines and then discover, oh, this is something that I can do that potentially I'm really interested in. But I think a lot of people, again, unlike beauty YouTubers, it's like, you weren't necessarily a budding makeup artist or necessarily even have this passion like I didn't. I went to university and took environmental studies and English. And so I just landed at a magazine. My first title was front desk clerk, essentially front desk bitch. (laughs) I answered the phone. I got people's coffees. I photocopied stuff. And I worked at a hair magazine. And I just did a good job at whatever I did and people brought me along. And that's kind of how it is in magazines. And I'm sure you guys can relate. And Nick, I think you kind of said this about Annie as well. It's like, you know, out of every 10 people, there's one gem. They're really fucking good at what they do. So later on down the road, you come back and you get them. When you want a team of people who you can trust and you know that they're good at something. So I was lucky that somebody, an art director, went to the biggest fashion magazine in Canada at the time, and they brought me over. And so when I got there, because I had come from a hair magazine, right away, they're like, oh, you're a beauty girl. And I was like, yes, I am. And, you know, they let me do some writing. And eventually a job came up and I just kept going and became beauty director. And I really liked it because what I found is as I was writing these, I think you guys mentioned this in our podcast as well, is beauty really is a lens to so many other topics. 
I think especially now, like sociology and psychology, and we see this shift in beauty with inclusivity and body acceptance. It's so political. It's so political. It's so political. Like some people have said, what's the most important thing in choosing your co-host on the podcast? And I honestly think in this day of age, it's like we have to share the same politics because if we didn't, we would be fucked. Everything is political now. But even beyond that, it's just seeing the shift that is so wrapped up in identity and democracy, the democratization of these ideas. What does beauty mean? There's no one definition. Like It's just so incredibly complex that it goes way beyond just like a launch or a lipstick. And I really got hooked on that. And it's also like the stakes have become so high as the world has, you know, was smoldering and then burning and now smoldering and actually burning that like if you found out that a beauty founder was a Trump supporter and that wasn't your political view, like you would be really yeah. vocal on your channels about that person. Stop spending your money there. Like I remember it happened with the agent Natur founder, Jenna Covello. Mm-hmm. She's now private and I think whatever, espousing her dangerous thoughts. But anyway, it just like the idea that like beauty and politics somehow, I think it is because it ultimately is about identity is probably why the two were so intertwined. Exactly. Self-image and it's incredibly complex. So yeah, it got me hooked. Are there beauty brands, and this sounds like a dumb question, are there beauty brands in Canada that we don't know about yet that we should know about or have they all been exported? I think Cheekbone, Jill. Yeah, a... they're they're definitely a huge story. Cheekbone Beauty, it's founded by an Indigenous woman, Jennifer Harper. And we interviewed her on our show a couple of years ago now, but she just has the most compelling story and all of her products are sustainable and she gives back to the indigenous community and what she's created on her Instagram through Cheekbone Beauty. She's just reaching indigenous people everywhere around the globe, but they're not in a national retailer in the US yet. You can buy them online, but she just got into Sephora Canada coming up this fall and I think they'll ramp it up and hopefully have her be more front and center in more stores. Her story is just beautiful and incredible and it's color cosmetics that's right yeah so her lipsticks are honestly the best curated shade selection and I'm also a fool for matte lipsticks like I love just a really pigmented matte and she's got the most like vibrant and rich shades and I remember a couple years ago we wore them to Sephora we went to LA and we went to Sephora and we were wearing them and like I got compliments on it all day long and we gifted them to everybody we were pod swapping with and all that but it's just again giving voice to a community who hasn't really had one in the beauty space Mm -hmm. and I think She's just reaching so many people across the border as well because of that. So I think that's definitely a low-key brand that deserves a way bigger spotlight. For sure. Okay. Switching gears slightly. (laughs) We have a game that we affectionately call Paula's Choice because it is Mm -hmm. a difficult decision between two options. You know, obviously Sophie's Choice, Paula's Choice, Mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so we just thought we could do a little round of Paula's Choice. We actually played one with Paula herself. So you guys are actually mm-hmm. the next contestants in the game oh, after cool. Paula. Love a game. Do you want to go first, Annie? Yeah. So let's start off with something like a warm-up type question. So on the theme of Paula, this is actually the real Paula's Choice. We know you guys are fans of these kind of iconic products and you have to choose one. One has to be no more. 
definitely choose one that will survive. Okay, pressure's on. Polish Choice 2% BHA Exfoliating Skin Perfector or Willita Skin Food. Mm, I'm going to say the Polish Choice for sure. I love it. I think the texture is amazing. I love how affordable it is. I love that the packaging is really nothing to look at, yet it's selling out like crazy and just the brand just got scooped up by Unilever. How does it stack up to P50 in your opinion? I just think they're two totally different products. I really do. I think that P50 is more moisturizing than this one Mm -hmm. for sure. Mm -hmm. Like P50 is probably, I think more of like an anti-aging product almost where this one I think is just like epic for keeping your skin clear. I actually have it right here. Thought we might talk about this one. (laughs) And yeah, I don't know. I absolutely love it. And I love that she's like the first internet brand, right? So Mm -hmm. she built this whole entire brand on the internet and people found out about this cult product without it ever being in a store until this year. So I think it's pretty Mm -hmm. iconic that way too. Yeah, you would think this is like a no wrong answers game, but you got that one right. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay, so you have to choose between you go and you get a procedure, a little non-invasive touch up thing to your face, mm-hmm. touch up. tune up. Something goes wrong. Mm-mm. Would you rather deal with the droopy eye from Botox deading the wrong nerve and causing your eye to droop? Is that what or, fucking happened? Yeah. <laughs> or legit, I have that. Really? Or filler migration? Mm. Okay. Well, as somebody who does have pitosis in one eye and I don't know I assume the cause is due to age but it could be it the thought has crossed my mind maybe it was a botched Botox I would say the filler migration thing is probably easier to deal with because eventually it just gets absorbed right and goes away whereas I'd be worried about this droopy eye thing some permanent nerve damage going on and then you have to go on this journey I'm on it takes forever I had to get a CAT scan on my brain it was not fun I would do the uh, filler. So I have a bad filler story, though. Let it go away. Uh Um, I got filler in my nasolabial folds, and uh, I got necrosis, which is when... Which sounds like the most horrifying. I don't even know what that is. That's when the hyaluronic acid that they inject restricts an artery and blood vessels, and so that it stops blood from getting to the skin, so there's no more circulation Mm -hmm. on your skin, and it can kill all this it can kill all the skin and it can become really serious if you don't catch it like literally like your skin would fall off and i got it i want to say three months before my wedding and so they quickly had to flood it with the dissolving stuff that and it can happen it's it's not really about bad practicing or you know malpractice or anything it's just it can sometimes happen like everyone's anatomy is slightly different and that was terrifying said your doctor (laughs) yeah i'm just kidding (laughs) Said you're in your practice. It's been reversed. It's, it's been, been reversed. reversed. This is a good yes. news story. Okay. I All went right. into the hyperbaric chamber, which, if you ever have any kind of cosmetic procedure, is really good for healing and speeding up recovery, which is like basically where you are in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. It's like a sleeping bag that's big enough to lay in with hula hoops kind of like keeping it open and then they suck all of the air out so that it helps with your circulation and it's really good for after plastic surgery or with necrosis i was like in it three times a week and it helped wow it helps heal so have you gotten filler since yeah i was gonna say are they canceled no we just (laughs) change who we go to and we continue on yeah you know okay Okay. we're not that beauty soldier (laughs) Mm -hmm. love Love the horse (laughs) 
This is a tough one. Parabens or sulfates? Hmm. Mm. I would say for myself, I would say parabens. I think just because I just understand that they've been really like villainized, but not necessarily. This topic confuses me. I'll be totally honest, because depending on who you talk to, people have very compelling arguments on both sides. And I'm not equipped to read the literature. I'm just not Thank one you. to say. Good God, this is the most intelligent beauty conversation <laughs> that we've had in a long time. Right? Why it's don't just, people just say that? I'm just being really fucking honest. And that's this whole, we talk about this all the time, the clean conversation. And I'm like, listen, I'm not going to say that I fully trust all these beauty brands and the FDA and everybody else to make sure that everything you put on your face is safe. I understand the skepticism, but at the same time, on the other side, I'm not about fear mongering either. And if I could understand the literature, I would tell you with absolute certainty one way or the other, but I can't. And I've interviewed chemists who have said, depending on who's paying for the research, if you want me to prove X or Y, I can select data and give you a favorable argument one way or the other. Do you know what I mean? So... Yeah, I'm not saying I'm going to go out shopping for parabens, but I'm just saying I'm not vilifying them. Preservatives in general get a bad rep because what they're trying to do is like, it's for your safety. Like without preservatives, like these products would be dangerous and potentially lethal. Moldy. Yeah. So parabens means happy birthday, I think in Portuguese. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) And I was somewhere where there were balloons and parabens. Celebrate them, finally. (laughs) Okay, ready? Crocs or Uggs? Oh my goodness. There is a right answer. There is a right answer. I'm going to say Uggs Mm -hmm. because you can't deny they're just better. Like I actually bought the Uggs this winter that are not the cute little short trendy Uggs. I bought the other ones that are like winter boots and they go halfway up your calf. And my foot was never cold and my foot was never wet. And I had to search high and low to find them because Eva Chen put them on her Instagram and I couldn't find them anywhere. And then I finally did. And I was like, yep, these are really worth it. However, then I started seeing a lot of people talk about Crocs this summer and Benefit just launched a collaboration with Crocs. So Mm. that made me second guess myself, but I am me personally, Uggs. Can we go back and answer the Chugi question again? This is an Uggs podcast. We are full Uggs, okay. fully in support of okay. the Uggs movement. Okay, um, the other thing is Jill, being like the lovely co-host that she is, bought me a pair of Donnie sheepskin slippers for Christmas. You know that brand Donnie, D-O-N-N-I, out of L.A.? They're like, Everything is just so like cozy and casual and LA vibes. And so they had these amazing fluffy slippers. And it's especially during the pandemic, you just wanted to live in these things. But after two months, they started falling apart. And so Jill was like, you got to get the Ugg slippers. I should have bought you the Ugg ones because they last forever. I tried to support the custom pair, but it didn't work out. Thank you. Thank you for your service. (laughs) (laughs) Cryotherapy. Or infrared sauna? I would probably go cryo myself just because I am a fire person. I'm a fire in the belly girl. I have a lot of inflammation and all of that. So I'd probably go cold, I would say. I hate being cold. So I'm infrared (laughs) all the way. And my friend's parents have an infrared sauna in their house. And 
it was like one of the saddest parts of the pandemic that I couldn't go over to their house and like use their infrared sauna. Is it I'm hot or just obsessed. red? No, it's just red. It's just all about calming inflammation. Really? Okay. Then yeah. what did I do? Because I, when I used to work at a, at a place in Soho, a big beauty company, I would get so tired. When you were wearing the pink the jumpsuit, you would... <laughs> Uh-huh. Go into the infrared sauna. They so the hotel that moved in across the street, it was like some, you know, expensive hotel open across the street, and they had this like higher dose sauna experience there where you could rent and I, I saw you could rent out these like saunas for an hour at a time or whatever. So I it was like, I just came up with the most brilliant plan. I'm gonna like rent these out for an hour in the middle of the day and just go in there and sleep. That's smart. No, you sweat the whole. You just sweat everything out. That's like a George Costanza move. Yeah, I am kind of. <laughs> okay, the ordinary or the inky list. Mm. <laughs> okay, we. I think we have to skip this one. Full disclosure: we're literally recording an inky list ad after okay. this. So, <laughs> so honestly, the inky list is the answer. It's like the inky list is the answer, but I'm all about disclosure. <laughs> So I feel like that's very important. So I'm putting that out there. I mean, we love the inky list so much and we like use it and like, and it's just like sort of organically our favorite brand. So that's interesting. Anyway. Yay. They were just like the first brand to really focus on ingredients, (laughs) like just really. And the Hiram collection, Selfless by Hiram, powered by the inky list. Okay. Well, that leads us perfectly into our next question. Hiram or Hiram's? I got to go Hirons on that one just because, I mean, 25 years of experience or whatever it is, like literally writing training books, like manuals for multiple brands, actually doing work on people's faces as an esthetician. I'm going to put my money there. But what up, Hiram? (laughs) Come back on our show anytime. But let's just say Selfless by Hiram, obsessed. Yeah. <laughs> Are the you? Inky, what can't the Inky list do? Okay. <laughs> Jill, would you also vote one for Hirons? I think I would. I said to Carlene not long ago, I was like, we've had a lot of British people on our show in the last little bit. And there's something just about how they just cut through the bullshit. And I love that about her. And she Mm -hmm. is such an OG, even in the blogging space. And I don't know. I just, I, I think she's seen it all. She's tested it all. She's been in rooms when they're developing products. So it's pretty tough to. And she gives zero fucks. She gives zero fucks. She doesn't like something. She's just going to let you know. Yeah. And we had her on our show not recently and someone commented like she's almost mean or something. And that was interesting to hear because I don't think that at all. It's just like she's just such a straight shooter. But Mm -hmm. that's what I appreciate. Maybe that delivery isn't for everyone. It's almost like it's not even the influencer's fault. It's like sometimes what their followers weaponize or, you know, it's like they become these it's like the Beyonce beehive or whatever. They turn against brands that the influencer said something that they didn't like about it. Mm -hmm. And it becomes this whole like snowball thing. I think that's what people get scared of. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like we did a celebrity episode talking about celebrity products. And I was like, oh, my God, I hope it's not picked up. Say if we said something bad about a Selena Gomez product or something, which we didn't. Love Rare Beauty. I'm wearing the foundation right now. Oh, you are? Yeah. So good. I think that is sort of where we're at is people will get the pitchforks on the internet. Mm-hmm. And that's a little mm-hmm. <laughs> unnerving for sure. 
I like Hiram though. Yeah, he's great. He serves a purpose, absolutely. Like he's so good at speaking to his audience. You know, like there needs to be totally an ambassador is. and an interpreter for Gen Z. Absolutely. There is no shade. It's just for me, I trust what Hiram says for my skin, but a 15-year-old kid is not going to tune into Caroline Hirons and be like, tell me more about premenopausal skin. <laughs> like, Hiram is giving them the basics. He's delivering it in a way that they can understand. And he may not have gone to school for millions of years, but, like, he's not he's not totally off track with what he talks about. Like, he does a lot of research. He also doesn't claim that he did, yeah. which I yeah. appreciate. It's like, you can't really fault him. Like, you don't have to listen to what he has yeah. to say. And he says, I'm not a germ. I'm not a cosmetic chemist. I'm not an esthetician, exactly. you know? So this is a, a question that is not exactly a Paula's choice. Say there is an Armageddon of celebrity beauty collections and products and brands, and only mm-hmm. one celebrity beauty line can survive the Armageddon. Mm. It can be a makeup, it can be a skincare, it can be fragrance. You get to save one in the beauty space. Recent launch? Mm, it can be, well, I mean, you have to have recently experienced it and worn it. This is such a good question. I know I'm going to forget somebody. Jill, you're still thinking, are you? Well, I mean, I think Pharrell's made the most sense of late. Like, that one just all hung together for me. Everyone asks him what he does to look young. He came out with skincare. It's very inclusive. It's gender neutral. It's like interesting packaging that's like new silhouettes. Yeah. yeah. And it has yeah. Braille on it, I believe. Yeah. Like it's just like he's thought of everything or his team has thought of everything. I think you got to give it to Fenty. Just right. sorry. I'm just going to jump in. But it's like that is the one that to me just felt the least me too. And it was like, it actually served a purpose. It was like, this is what's missing. This is how we're going to fill it. This is how we're going to satisfy this hugely underserved community. And they've built a community. And I think that would be the one that it needs to be there. It should be there. It's earned its place. I would give it up to Fenty. But I personally love the Rare Beauty Foundation so much. I would hate to say goodbye to that. That's a good tip. I mean, has anybody smelled white diamonds recently? <laughs> like, I feel like Elizabeth Taylor, that needs to be protected in the Smithsonian No, but what I am wearing That's today true. is Dream Ariana Grande's fragrance. Oh. Yeah. I've heard good things. Kate Young told me about just, it, and it's yeah. really good. It's gourmand, so it's very candy-like. But the fun yeah. thing about fragrance, I think, especially with celebrity fragrances, is that they get the best perfumers in the world to make them. So you would wonder whether like a celebrity fragrance would be actually like totally like a cash grab, which it might be, but they actually like have integrity. The fragrances usually do. Like Britney Spears, one of her fragrances was designed by the same guy who did Santal 33 and Glossier U. Yeah. It's like interesting, yeah. right? Oh, for mm-hmm. sure. I mean, that uh, I lived through that whole heyday of celebrity fragrances, and there was some good ones, and there was some horrible ones. Shania Twain. I lived for the press trips. <laughs> oh, yeah, those <laughs> were. They really splashed out at that time. The Beyonce one. Were you with me on that no, one in I Barcelona? No, I was not. That was the best one. <laughs> you went to Barcelona Sorry, for Madrid. Beyonce's perfume? Yes. It was one of these like Armani flankers. Mm-hmm. And it was in Madrid. She was the face. And we went to the concert. And before the concert, we were like underground in this giant room. And there was like 80 different international members of the press there. And it was running late. So it was like champagne for hours. And then she came out and chatted with us all in like a circle. And she was like eight feet away from me. And then we went out after dancing and of not, course, you and Beyonce. Not, you no, and not Beyonce. Not you. No, not her. 
but like the PR and we were literally out. The sun was up when we came home and it was back when you could smoke. So I was like smoking my face off. And I remember she's like, just give the concierge your trench coat. Just give it. Tell them to get it dry cleaned. That's amazing. So it was. Yeah, those were the days. That's a different era (laughs) for sure. Those press trips were really good. We have one final question. And this is a broad question that I'm just going to say that Annie came up with. So I don't get blamed for it. Who in the beauty world does Canada not get enough credit for having created or birthed or played a role in? Like who does everyone forget Mm. is Canadian and they need to be reminded? Oh, that's an easy one. I bet we're thinking of two different things I was going to say. Oh, you go. Elizabeth Arden. I did not know that. Interesting. Wow. Ontario, baby. Huh. Eight hour cream. <laughs> right to the red door on Fifth Avenue. <laughs> <laughs> so you're telling me the red door is in Toronto. Ooh, no, it's not. <laughs> it's not. But give me three minutes. I got to Google something. Carlene, <laughs> who do you have? She's fact checking herself. Well, I mean, I think everybody knows this. It's probably not underrated or that unknown, but like MAC Cosmetics is. What? I mean,. What do you mean? What? It's apparently not well known. Did I know that? This is the perfect answer to this question. (laughs) Well, we did a two-parter on MAC Cosmetics. We interviewed the founder who's no longer with the company, Frank Toskin. And we did make it two parts, which is one of the very few times we've done that because he literally took us through the whole chronology and backstory. And actually, at the time, we were in touch with a writer at U of T who was writing a story on Mac and the legacy. Because, of course, Mac really gave birth to all of the indie and Sephora brands and all of the inclusive brands and everything that we know today. Back to Mac, everything. Um, yeah, back to Mac with the recycling and the refillable and... Supporting AIDS, having RuPaul and exactly. the ads, like all of that stuff. Absolutely. Like millions and millions of dollars. And he just talked to us about even the culture at the cosmetics counter. And, you know, when do they ever have like males selling makeup at the cosmetic counter, never mind wearing makeup. And like literally they fought for people's rights to have like trans people working at the counters. Like there, it was just so groundbreaking on so many levels and nostalgic. Like it's the makeup that I grew up with. Twig, mm-hmm. all the and shades. Max and Spice. I'm literally getting goosebumps yeah. like thinking about the conversation because he never gives interviews and it took us ages to try to get in touch with him. And we finally did. And we sat in his living room and he was telling us all these stories. And, you know, you can listen to the episode if anyone's inclined. But, you know, the whole Mac Viva Glam movement, which has donated like about $500 million to AIDS research and helping people live with HIV it's all inspired by his one friend who he was holding his hand in the hospital passing you know like it's like that personal and then the whole pop culture side of the brand too you know like Russian red Madonna wearing it and then Linda Evangelista like it just is this whole era and yeah it was all born in a kitchen around the corner from where Carlene lives there you go and with that thank you so much for chatting with us, for having us on your podcast, for coming on our podcast, for paving the way for beauty podcasts when very few people were doing it. Where can we, I mean, you guys are much more famous than we are. So you guys are the Breaking Beauty (laughs) podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And you guys also Mm -hmm. are on Instagram at Breaking Beauty Podcast. That's right. That's correct. And how else can people get, they can also follow you individually on Instagram. 
Yeah. So I'm at Carlene Higgins and Jill, what's your handle? It's at, at Jill D on beauty. I'm thinking of changing that, but whatever. That's yeah, what it we is can work right on now. That. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really curious. What's your product of the week? So this has been a long time coming in that I ordered and I bought with my own money Pharrell's skincare three-step program, mm. Human Race. And just to refresh everyone's memory, Human Race skincare is, it's called a routine. There's a rice powder cleanser. There is a lotus enzyme exfoliator. And there is a humidifying cream. And it's 100 bucks for all three. You know, it was sort of dropping and selling out and dropping and selling out. But now you can buy everything on the website, humanrace.com. Anyway, I have been using all these products quietly for the last few months. And I'm ready to say quietly, that the the humidifying cream, which contains snow mushroom and squalane and is $48, but if you subscribe, it's $42, is really fucking good. I love like a thick and luxurious face cream, and this gives me that without any fragrance. They say that it recreates the positive effects that humidity has on your skin, so it's kind of cushiony. It's not greasy, but it feels nice and fluffy, and I don't know. Like I really like it, and if I have a chance of being able to look like Pharrell, you know, in 10 years, I'm going to, I'm going to take it. It also has lactobacillus ferment, which is a probiotic. It has coconut water. It has tiger leaf extract. It has rice bran water. I don't know. I'm just like really into it. Will you be repurchasing it? Yeah. Okay. It's a basic moisturizer, but it actually does really plump up your skin. How would you compare it to the Glossier Priming Moisturizer Rich? Which well, is- Glossier Priming Moisturizer Rich, which was my favorite before this, is a little bit more oily, I'd say, which is not a bad thing. Like It gives you more of like a glowy finish versus like a completely matte finish. And also that has fragrance. So it smells like lavender and it's not as cushiony. This is like very cushiony and rich, but also doesn't break me out. He created the brand in collaboration with a dermatologist. And what I like about the dermatologist is it's not some fancy schmancy like Instagram dermatologist. It's like his dermatologist that he went to for a long time. Cool. So I just like that he's like walking the walk and talking the talk. All of his products are refillable and the packaging is really beautiful. I'm like impressed. Okay, go for all. Finally, he he succeeded at something. I know. Poor guy. Okay, so my product of the week is a special deal that Rebecca, my co-founder of Soft Services, approved. We're launching a new product, two new products actually, for body acne, which is actually why we started Soft Services to begin with because we were like, we're 30 and we still have body acne and like, oh, this might be a problem. And they're really good. It's sulfur. It's the only thing that's ever worked for my body acne. It's zinc PCA. It's sal acid. It's niacinamide. We like put everything in these products that have worked for us for our body acne specifically made for like adult body acne that basically happens when you wear stretchy clothes all day you work out you sit around you go to pilates after brunch and you're breaking out on your butt and your back and your chest we created these products they're great what does this have to do with you well when you launch a product you want to give certain people perks 
if they sign up for your like text message list or your email list, these people tend to know about stuff first. But then I was like, wait a minute, the eyewitness readers are actually the ride or die people. So you guys should really be getting the best deal. So we can only do it for one day. So if you are the creme de la creme of eyewitness readers that listen to episodes when they go live, this is for you because it's only good through the end of day on the 31st, which is Saturday, which is when this episode goes live. So you kind of have to just go for it. And what you will get is a free clearing mist, which is our quick dry body acne treatment spray with the purchase of a clearing clay, which is it's like sister product. And it's kind of this multi-use clay you can use it in the shower as your actual like body treatment wash for areas where you're breaking out or you can use it as a mask or you can use it as spot treatment and when I say mask I mean on your body not your face so what you do is you go to softservices.co slash products slash clearing dash duo <laughs> maybe I'll put it on Instagram too just so you guys can have a link and add the duo to your cart in your cart when you're checking out there is a place to put a promo code. That's where you type in eyewitness, one word, and it's going to knock off the price of the clearing mist. So you're getting that for free. This is like not something that we do any, we basically give away free shipping sometimes, but that's it. So this is actually kind of a really big deal. So free clearing mist when you buy the duo. That's that. Hopefully you guys like these products. They're really great. And I didn't have the clearing clay for such a long time. And I started breaking out really badly because <laughs> I was like neglecting. And then I started using it again. Now my back is clear. So they work and happy showering. And that is our show. Eyewitness Beauty is produced, as always, by the wonderful, the charming, and utterly delightful and patient Jessamine Molly of Seaplane Armada. Our theme music is by Danny Prezant, and our cover art is by Simon Abronowitz. You can follow us on Instagram at eyewitnessbeauty, and you can email us at hi at eyewitnessbeauty.com. We live and die by every single review you guys post on Apple Podcasts, so please continue to post them. Give us five stars. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Check out Breaking Beauty if you are a beauty junkie like us, because their podcast is pretty effing sweet. I need to go listen to the Barbara Sturm episode now. I just started it, actually. We will talk to you next week. So long. Farewell. Farewell.